Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. It's fantastic to be here and uh, what an honour to speak at the mighty C3 Noosa. The power of your story. You probably don't think that your story is all that powerful, but it's incredibly powerful. And there's only one story like your story, and it's your story. Because there isn't two of you, there's only one of you. God has a unique story for all of us to share and to be willing to share. Your story matters. It is not insignificant. It is not, oh, it's not that good. It is amazing. Uh And told at the right time has the power to impact hundreds of people's lives. In the book of Revelations, chapter 12 and verse 11 in the uh, King James Version, it says, the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him. Say overcame. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. That means they were not afraid to die because of the witness, the bold witness of their testimony. The message version of the same scripture says, they defeated him through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their witness. And and the bold word of our witness, no matter what our background is, no matter where we've been, what we've done, no matter how dramatic our salvation story is or isn't, the truth is that when you tell your story, when your story gets out of where God collided with your reality, who can remember the day they came to Christ? That moment, that, that there's that day when your heart is racing, it could have been in a service like this, and, and there's a call at the end and your heart is racing and, you, and your hand pierces the air. It's like the hardest thing you've ever done. I don't know about for you, but I used to sit right at the back and the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I was only a teenager and I just start weeping and shaking, like literally shaking quite violently. And then, and I don't know what I'd done, and I, and I lifted my hand. As soon as I lifted my hand, I was like flooded with peace. And I'd come down the front, and I think I got saved about 30 weeks earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I needed it. And, uh, but your testimony, your story, is one of overcoming victory. It's where God's reality collides with your reality. And you could have been just some young guy or young girl just plodding along in life and suddenly something happens or somebody brings you to the Lord. But it's like it was real. It's it's real. It's like it's like it's undeniably real where God collides with your reality. Now, this is your story. It's a story of victory. But I want to tell you about the power of your story. At the core, the power of your story is actually when you tell others. See, when you tell your story, power is released. But too often we think we don't have much to tell. But the deal is it's not just about you. It's about what God has done in you. And the moment you start talking, it's actually not really your story. It's actually about you talking about what God's done in you or what God did through you or what God has done for you or how God has rescued you or how God has transformed you or how God has set you free or how God has brought peace, which is unspeakable, or healing, which is undeniable, or breakthrough that was just impossible. And you start talking about what God has done for you. You actually release the power of God. Yeah. It could be just a great story in your mind, but see, power, say power. Power. The power of your story is when you tell it. And we often stay silent because we don't take the second step of telling the story to release the power of God 
in our world. This is how we overcome. Do you want to, if you might, who's facing something impossible right now? Maybe something difficult. Can I tell you, no matter what is happening in this circumstance or this season or whatever area of your life, you might need breakthrough, you might need healing, you might need a family member to come to Christ, you may, might need clarity, you're seeking the Lord, or something's not right, but you need God in your world. Can I encourage you? Go back to your first love. Start sharing your story of what God has done for you in the past. Because you know what? Every time you tell your story, you give glory to God. Yeah. And you know what you do? You make room for God in your world. And every time you tell your story, it could be a story of salvation. It could be a story of when you got healed. It could be a story of when you trusted God and you sowed and suddenly breakthrough and increase came in your world. Whatever that story is, and every time you tell your story, you give God the opportunity to do it again. Yes. This is what I've discovered. I've got a whole lot of stories I tell. But you know what? Every time I tell those stories, the same thing happens again. I'm like, hang on, wait a minute. Good. I've discovered something. And that's what the scriptures say. But the accuser of the brethren, the devil, he wants to keep you silent. He doesn't want to tell you. He doesn't want you to tell your story. You think, well, I'm not a bold person. You are bold. Yeah. You've got the res- resurrection power of Jesus Christ in you. He makes you bold. You may not have been born bold, but you can be born again bold. Yes. I was the most timid, shy person in my world in my high school where I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and got saved. I was literally going to school on fire for God getting people at recess to lift their hands and baptise them in the power of God and slaying them in the school. I couldn't believe it. It was like a man possessed. And um, with the power, I could only tell what had happened to me. But when you tell what God has done for you, your story works better than any story. But when you start sharing your story, you'll find power, supernatural power. Your story supernatural because you are not the same as what you used to be. There has been a, coll- a collision. There has been an intersection of God's story meeting your story, and your life is now hidden in His. Yes. And you actually have this incredible victory, this reservoir of victory. And He says, "And they overcame you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of, they, of their story. They were not scared of anything. They were prepared to be a witness. The greatest thing you could ever give away is your story." is to tell somebody about a snippet of what God has done through you or for you or in you. And you think, what is that? It's how has Christ transformed you? And whenever we do that, we give God the opportunity to do it again. I pray that as a church, we need to be careful. And I pray that we don't learn how to live without the power of God. I have a little bit of a sneaky suspicion. It's not going to happen here at CC News because as soon as Christian gets up, he starts moving in the power of God anyway. But I have a sneaky suspicion church is getting really good at doing church. And we can learn how to do church without the power of God, without telling it how it was and how it now is and the change that's actually come about in our world. What makes Christianity different is the power of your story. I mean... There's a whole lot of religions out there, but there's only one man that rose and came from the dead, and he was risen by the power of God. This is the story. Not only did he die, but he was risen from the dead, and this is our victory. And the thing is, the first law of the mystery of God is this, is that God is not man. 
He's God. Now, he became man, but he was God incarnate. And we try to bring God down to our level, but he's actually trying to drag us up to his level. And we try to work out God. You can't work out God. You can only get revelation. And when you get that revelation, once he reveals who he is and who you are, you start walking in the light of that new identity and that new authority and that new position of righteousness that you haven't earned, that you can't claim any accolade for and can't boast about, but you start walking in who Christ has clothed and what Christ has clothed you in. And you start experiencing the reality of God. This is why your story is supernatural. Say supernatural. supernatural. It's supernatural. It's God's super <coughs> on your natural. Most of us are pretty ordinary, except Christian. He's incredible. And uh, Melissa's amazing. But, but, but when you start walking with the Lord, you sort of find that your life gets accelerated, doesn't it? Yeah. You start, it's like this accelerated uplift of promotion. You find yourself floating and rising to the top and, and feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm going a lot better than I used to be going in a whole lot of areas and I'm sort of batting about by my average here. Who feels that their life's had a bit of an upgrade since yeah. they came to Christ? I mean, okay, three of you, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm thanking God every day because I know I'm not that good, but he's amazing. And so it's God's super on your natural. And, and when you start telling your story, I feel that God will accelerate your life. He'll accelerate this house. This house is built for far bigger days. And there's an incredible church where God wants to accelerate, but he needs all of us on the same page and telling the story about Christ. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is it's like a tapestry or a mosaic pattern. And you could just be one of those smashed pieces of terracotta tile. But the artist, Jesus Christ, he starts putting us all in place and suddenly you can see this beautiful mosaic picture of Christ. And this is how the world sees Christ. When we all start revealing, we all start sharing the Christ in us, and whether he's the Christ, the healer, or he's the redeemer, or, or he's the provider, or he's the saviour, or he's redeemed your life. Suddenly as you start, suddenly Noosa outside these walls begins to get a clear picture of who Christ is. Your story matters. Your story could be the key part that makes the mosaic pattern revealing the face of Christ, the key ingredient. If we don't tell our story, the world sort of sees this weird Jesus because they only have a little bit of a story. They need the full gospel. They need the full story. I want to read you out a story of a lovely lady. Uh, her name is Elizabeth, and she was a heroin addict for 23 years. I used to watch C3 TV, Your Best Life, with Pastor Phil Pringle every week while I injected heroin and I drank methadone. I was so desperate. I found out about a free conference hosted by C3 at Homebush in 2005 and uh, featuring Bishop T.D. Jakes. I went then with my 14-year-old son, Dominic, and two weeks later, I never used heroin again. Throughout the following year, I tried giving up methadone, but I failed miserably. See how real she is? I failed spectacularly. I kept seeing the address, C3 Church City, God in the City, corner of Stanley and Palmer Streets, at the end of the program each week. Now, I'd watched this program. This is so powerful. And I thought, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. I want you to contact Pastor Phil. I want you all out of your missions account to sponsor this program for the next one to two years. At a I want you to sow $1,000 a month from our missions into the uh, TV show that was on all around Australia on Channel 10. Yeah. And, uh, 
uh, and we used to get a lot of people walk in, walk into the building, and say, "Oh, I saw the show on TV," and that was from Pastor Phil's church right up on the northern part of the city. Uh, but we were in downtown in the city. I thought I want to partner with what they're doing. I don't have the resources to do all this production, but you know what? I could because it cost it cost a lot of money to put TV uh, on. And so I said, "Let's sow into this." As we started sowing into this, people started walking into our church. So we saw the show on TV. And so I was Pastor Phil here this morning. I was like, no, he's not, but you got me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, it goes on, listen to this. So I kept on seeing C3 Church City at the end of the program. Two weeks before Christmas, I was forced to leave my four children at home with my ex-partner of 24 years and take my three-year-old daughter and just a bag of clothes. I was completely broken homeless, left with no family, no friends, no money, no phone or even a car. Physically, I was nearly dead. I weighed 50 kilos. My skin was bleeding and coming off. My teeth were decayed. I went to C3 Church City a week before Christmas and thought my life was too wrecked for me to be there. But the kids' church would be good for my little three-year-old Lulu. I'd come to the end of trying to do it myself. I thought we had to make ourselves right before we came to God. But you know what? You don't. You just bring your whole mess. We went every week from then on and through the prayers of the church, the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching, I have changed so much. I don't even recognize myself. Since joining C3 Church, I stopped using methadone. She used to drink methadone. And God has restored my relationships with my children, my family, my friends. I've accepted myself. I've, I was diagnosed with hep C 19 or 25 years ago. But since then, every test I've had has been negative. Thank you for all the people who are committed to broadcasting the gospel and teaching people that their best life is in Jesus Christ. That's a great story. Yeah. It's like nearly 30 years ago, right? And uh, I remember that conference was, was and uh, I remember preparing the message the day she came, and I put to, uh, a, a message together out of the scripture of the, um, uh, the, the lame man sitting by the pool, and, and Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Yeah. And so it was called, do you want to be made whole? And I packed I thought, so, I remember sitting up like 11, 12 o'clock at night preparing the message before the service on the uh, Saturday night, and I thought, this is a strange message. People are, it was like quite a, it was like a, a, a revel. I had this mind-blowing revelation of just writing frantically, dropping revelation, but this is going to be really good, but it doesn't seem like the message for like sort of like a normal young um, up and coming, what do you call it, a young professional. We had a lot of young professionals in our church at that stage. But I remember just before the service, I saw this lady up there with this massive round hat, massive sunglasses, couldn't see her eyes. And uh, and I, I went and spoke to her before the service and just said, hi, how are you going? And I could see she was hiding tears. And, and I, when I got close, I could see all the skin was coming off her face. I thought, oh, man, maybe she's like gone through chemo or she's really sick or she's coming to get a miracle healing before she dies. She was really, really sick. And I thought, now I know what that message is about. And then uh, she ended up coming on staff as she started coming on as our cleaner. She's written a whole book now. You can you can read about it. And um, it's amazing how God transforms someone's life. I remember as a young 15-year-old uh, getting taken to church at C3 Maroomba and uh, and sitting up the back. And, and the person would come and play the piano at the end of the service. And as soon as they started playing that song, I give my life, Lord, remember that? I give my life to you. It was an altar call song. The Holy Spirit fell on me and I literally started shaking and crying and, and come to Christ. And I was getting established in the things of God. I remember walking to the bus stop, um, wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, responding and so many people lay hands upon me and I wanted to speak. And I always felt the power of God, but for some reason I hadn't actually spoke in the gift of tongues. 
you know, I was walking to the bus stop and I just started praising God and I started speaking in tongues like I didn't realize it just came out of me. And I'm like, is that tongues? I'm like, oh, that, that's not tongues. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And I'm like, it is tongues. I can feel it. And I started chung on my bus and walking to the bus stop and going to work, getting filled with the Holy Spirit and just walk, getting to the bus stop loaded in the Holy Ghost. And then sitting down on the bus and the God says, right out. Welcome to school 101. You know, one had a witness. Who are you going to witness to do? I said, sit on the bus and witness to people on the bus. And uh, and these are all these all these things where God turned up. I'm thinking, you know, what could I possibly say? But you just say the little bit of the God that you know, and people just start crying. Yeah. People's tears just come down people's faces. And 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 sometimes I I I, I get a word of knowledge in a service and. And I remember saying that people are hearing today, you feel like this is it, this is the end of it, this is your last day, you feel you've given up, you've got nothing left to give, you're at the end of yourself. If that's you, can you come out? And then people coming out weeping, I'm thinking, that was just such a simple word, but it was the word. And being bold enough, being silly enough to believe God and to share something that God had given me to be able to help. You have God in you. This is not like the, the Christian and militia show, this is like the church. We're called to be the church. And you and I can just bring Christ. You know, people come around your house throughout the week, you know, trainees or whoever, and, and they're doing it tough or people are struggling or they got, you can tell people are stressed. And you can say, oh, they tell you their story, what's happening. I've just, you know, just broken up with my wife or just left my girlfriend. Or, well, and you know, the best thing you do, prayer first, just say, would it be okay if I pray for you? Very good. Just so simple. Would it be okay? doesn't have to be weird. Oh, God. Just short. And they go, right now? And you go, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Would it be okay, Christian, if I pray for you? Yeah. And they're like, now? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just going to pray. Keep eyes for it. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for peace. Thank you for peace. As a Christian, helping to that. That's simple. That's it. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Don't go fast now. That's weird. Because they're not ready for that. But it's like nobody has ever said, no, 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 you can't pray for me. Even if they say, no, I still pray for them. <laughs> Nobody's ever come back to me. You know what, the other day when you prayed for me, I just want to let you know that I so regret that you prayed for me. I just wish you'd never prayed for me. Has anyone ever said that to you? No. Just go to the bowl. What's the worst that could happen? Tell your story. Christ in you, he's just waiting to get out. The word evangelist comes from the Greek word. Eugelion, which means good news message. The title of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were known as the four evangelists. They were actually known as the four deliverers of good news. And the four Gospels are the four recorded accounts of Jesus' story that bear witness of his transforming power as he lived and walked the earth. This is what the Gospels are. They're actually the witness, the bold testimony and witness. It's these guys witnessing what Christ has done, what they saw with their own eyes. Yeah. And they are the four evangelists. Evangelism is the sharing of your story. This is the core of what it is in the heart of God for you to share your story. In John 3, verses 3, it says, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, renewed from above, he cannot ever see know or be acquainted with or experience the kingdom of God. I believe the most precious gift that we have is the capacity to win people to Christ. The word win means to take. Sometimes you need to take people to Christ. 
Paul the Apostle was first and above all a soul winner. The first thing he instructs Timothy, his spiritual son, to do, he says, do the work of an evangelist. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5, he says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. And then he says, do, say do. Who knows that two-thirds of the name of God is go, the other two-thirds is do, right? He says, do the work of the evangelist. And then he says, discharge the duties of your ministry. But isn't it incredible? We go, on and on, oh, I can't, I haven't got time to work. I've got so much stuff to do. I've got to look after people. I've got to call people. I've got to organize the band. and I've got to bring this guy up. And we do all this ministry. But he says, do the work of the evangelist. Before you discharge, your work as the minister. So every one of us has that capacity. And so Paul says to Timothy, he says, listen here, Timothy. The gift that is in you is not operating the way it should because it's subject to a spirit. The spirit that the gift in you is subject to is the spirit of fear, the spirit of timidity. And so he says, do not be, you know, don't be timid. And he breaks that off him. He says, you have to understand that when you are in that situation, you are representing me. And he says, basically, you are me in that situation. Tell your story. Do the work. You can do it. Go read some. Do what I will do. And one of the best ways to be a witness is just to do what you've seen someone else do. Start when you don't know what to do. Well, what would Christian do? What would Pastor X do? You know? And, and you start to do those things. And, and so Paul charged Timothy. He commissioned him. He says, buddy, you are me in that situation. Just do the best. Just do it. When you do it, you'll experience the power coming on you. Because it's never just you witnessing. You're actually talking about Jesus, who is alive, who has sent his Holy Spirit on earth to be the agent of God on earth, to move through you, that when you surrender and are willing to open your mouth on behalf of him and honour him and what he has done in your life, suddenly when you start speaking about the goodness and the good message of Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost comes on it and people get affected. But you think it's all up to you. The fulcrum or the hinge, the door doesn't swing on your hinge, mate. It swings on Christ. Yeah. It swings on Christ, and you just got to let him out. And sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's weird, sometimes you mess it up. Doesn't matter, you have plenty of opportunities to keep doing it. So, some practical things on reaching people you know for Christ. Number one, just go and do it. Do stuff you love doing, and just include your friends and family, people who don't know Christ. Whatever you, you might love to surf, you might love to go bushwalking, you might love to make barbecues, whatever you love to do. Just include unsafe people in your world. Very good. Just do stuff with people that you love doing, and you'll find that who you are, Christ is going to ooze out of you. Share what God has done in your life. What has God done in your heart? What has he done in your family? What has God done in your business? Share that. Number two, reach into your community. That The secret of blessing is to be a blessing. The secret to being a blessing is to be a blessing. Just bless people in your community. Shout them dinner. Buy them a coffee. Go and mow the lawn. Help them move. Whatever whatever you do, just bless people. You've all got neighbours. You've all got friends. And if you want to be a, a witness, just bless people because you've been blessed. Yes. So you can afford, you, if you're blessed, to be a blessing. That is truth. And so when you start blessing other people, I tell you what, there's not much tra- traffic on the second mile, people. It doesn't take much to stand out when you go out of your way to help people. Yeah. Because that's actually what it is to be a witness. So good. And, uh, and number three, reach our family. Let, let, let your family, how do you reach your family? Be the first person to forgive. <laughs> I find the thing that stops 
The thing that breaks up families is unforgiveness. And so it's easy. The light shines in the darkness really easy because you're the only one in the family who decides to forgive everybody. And so reach our families. Our life must be a witness of what? The grace of God. Just forgive your family members. You might be the only person that calls your brother or sister because the rest of your brothers and sisters don't call him. <laughs> That's easy to be a witness. You just keep calling them and ringing them. Number four, have harvest eyes. It says here in uh, John 4.35, do not say four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes, look to the fields. They're ripe for harvest. You've got to see the harvest and you've got to pray for workers to go into the harvest. Stand with people and pray with them. And you'll see the harvest. Don't think, oh, one day when we have revival. Revival's now. Come on. You're, just, you're just a mobile revival person. When you go, God goes. When you turn up, hope turns up. When you turn up, faith turns up. When you turn up, love turns up. When you turn up, breakthrough and provision turns up. When you turn up, healing turns up. When you turn up, life turns up. New beginnings, fresh starts. Breakthrough turns up when you turn up. You're unstoppable because you've got a resurrection spirit of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. And he just wants to get out. And you might think, I'm not feeling the power of God. Start opening your mouth. Because when you start opening your mouth, you're agreeing with what God has done. And you've given God an opportunity to do it again in your world. Amen? Amen. Come on, good God. Number five, be inclusive. Be big-hearted. Include people in your world. Don't think, oh, no, they're not coming. No, no, include people. Be big-hearted. Bless people. And, uh, you know, evangelism is you just talking about the greatest love and change in your life. Talk about what the Holy Spirit has done. Jesus always used stories. What Jesus has done for you will speak louder than anything else you can talk about. The story and journey of the people of Israel of overcoming the challenges, the impossible odds, the giants, and encountering supernatural saving grace of God unlocks miracles in their whole story. And when I look at the people of Israel as a picture, as a template for our life, we see that there was three reoccurring miracles that happened. And I want us to get this as a church because this is what I want to leave you with this morning. How much time do I have? Five minutes? Or ten? Five. Five. We're done, right? Okay, the first miracle that the people need to get is the, is the get out miracle, where they have to get out of Egypt, which is a salvation miracle. The second miracle they needed is the get through miracle, which is where they got out of Egypt, but they had to go through the wilderness. And the third miracle they had to get into the promised land. The first miracle is the one of salvation, okay? Salvation, where they got out and he rescued them. This miracle is where you and I, it's like you and I come into Christ, where we're blind but suddenly we can see. There's always a barrier. Why do people come to Christ? Because they just can't see. Because the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their eyes and they cannot see it. Okay? And so we, once we grasp the truth of eternity, we begin to live differently. Who knows we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we are actually here on earth yeah. or in this church. You're going to spend a lot more time with God in eternity. He doesn't want you to be stuck for the next 20, 20 years because of being angry at church or being angry at someone. He wants you to keep moving forward. Nothing worse than being stuck in life and bitter and twisted and angry at somebody about something they don't even know that they did, like, hello, come on, we're going to keep moving. And so once we grasp his truth, we actually start living differently. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, whose minds the God of this age is blinded. They do not believe. So the barrier to salvation is 
Blindness, you were once blind, now you can see. That's a miracle. You were once dead, now you're alive to Christ. You were once an object of God's wrath, now you're a trophy of his grace. Things have changed. Some of you may, may even have hated God, but now you love God. And uh, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and salvation for everyone, say everyone, everyone. who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This is awesome. It's the power of God and the salvation. I didn't remember that. Sometimes I don't feel that. And, you know, we know the Bible's filled with stories that people have dramatic conversions with. The story of Paul in Acts chapter 8, and he's walking on the road and he gets blinded and he gets told to go to Ananias' house. And he goes to Ananias' house and bang, he gets his sight back. And then, you know, I mean, poor, poor, he's, he's there giving the approval to the death of Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament. They're like, should we kill him? Yeah, kill him. You know, the next minute he's blinded. That's an encounter. And then it's when he can see. And then he comes to Christ and he writes 13 books in the New Testament. It's a pretty good story. And so this is the miracle of salvation, which most of you have had. The second miracle, say number two, is the miracle of being established. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be established in Christ and planted in his house and grounded in his purpose. One of the things that did that for me is just coming to church every week. Coming to night school, we should do night school Bible studies, finding a connect group. I was connecting to community. I went to leaders days. So you need foundations, you need disciplines, you need understanding. So the barrier for being established is understanding. You need teachers to unpack the Word of God. And so it's important we go through this gate of understanding to have the Word of God unfolded. In 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own name. Through these things... He has given us his very great and precious promises. Why are they great and precious? They're great and precious because they overcome everything you and I face. Right? So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption in the world. One, uh, Colossians 1, 23, it says to continue in your faith, established and firm, not cut and run or bail at the minute of Controvert, whatever. He says established. Say established and firm. See, as much as the miracle of salvation where you were blind and now you see, the second miracle is the miracle of being established in the purpose of God, in the house of God, and in Christ. You need to get established in Christ. You don't just have a baby and just say, look after yourself, milk's in the cupboard. You know, you've got to establish, you need to get yourself established. Right? Oh, nobody followed me up. You follow them up. <laughs> It's a matter of life and death. You need to be established in the house of God. Firm, not moved. Not, say not moved. Not moved. Something's wrong when people keep moving. It's, it's like you need to be moved. Okay? You're not meant, meant to be moved all the time. And then um, the work of Christ establishing our lives means that we are established in his love. This is what Ephesians chapter 317. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love. May have the power to gather all the saints. To grasp how wide, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And so that's the second miracle that you need to stay established, get understanding, and be firm, not moved. The third miracle I want to close with, one of the musos come if they want to just play, is the last one, is the miracle of remaining. Say remaining. Remaining. We need to be called Romanians. <laughs> this is, this is, to me, this is like one of the biggest miracles. We need to be people, be people who remain. God has called us to remain. The miracle of remaining is hindered by one specific thing. How do you remain in the things of God? How do you remain in God? How do you remain in church? There is a barrier to remaining. 
and it's called offense. And it seems to be a spirit behind it is a demon. People get offended. It's like a bad lolly that you shouldn't take and you think, oh, but they did that and so I deserve and you take it and you, you take offense. You swallow the offense. Once you swallow the offense, you just go weird. It's like a demon. It's like you're, you were going so well, but somebody's cut it on you. See, the devil doesn't want you to stay planted because he doesn't want you to be fresh and flourishing. Because Jesus says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not, shall not, cannot prevail. He says, well, this is the mission. I've got to get them off mission. I've got to do all I can to get them out of the church. So I get them offended. I can take the pill of offense. Well, then they're out of the church. And therefore, the gates of hell can prevail. He wants you out of the church because he knows the church is the hope of the world. The church is God's mechanism. It's God's gateway. It's where God wants to show the world who he is through. Is the church perfect? No. Why? Because it's filled with people like you and me. Come on. Get real. He can handle your reality. But you're called to be Romanians. You're called to remain. If you're offended, it is not by intent. It is not by design. Your pastor is not praying and fasting and seeking God. Who can I offend on Sunday? Unbelieving they get so offended they go. That is a demon lie from the pit of hell. He'll twist truth. Oh, he knows the Bible better than you people. Little half truths, twisted truths, lies, demons. Because he doesn't want you to remain because he is scared of what you can become. God is not all that concerned of who you were. He's more concerned about what you're becoming. Because what you are becoming is the righteousness of God. You're unstoppable. You're undefeatable. You're on the winning team. You're going to slay his head. Remaining in him is all about you taking ground and entering into the promises of God, the fullness of God. God wants to remain in our lives. One In John 1, 32, it says, Then John gave his testimony. He says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. God wants you to remain in this house. You may not always understand it. Let me tell you, don't judge what you don't understand. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.